Hello, and welcome back to Early Late Nights, the Explosion Network's esports gaming news show, right here on twitch.tv slash Explosion Network every Tuesday and Friday, 6.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and I'm your host, Kira Marchant. How are you? It's been a fantastic day, it's been a fantastic week, kind of, I guess, but we're back. I took a bit of a week off, uh, and you know, it's it's interesting to take some time off to reevaluate, to go over things. Um... Just to give you, you know, random update. Hi, how you going? Kieran here. Hope you're, hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing good. Um, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of, well, I guess work's been hectic. And that's my biggest thing is coming home and, and doing doing a lot of stuff to get to, you know, to get ready for a show. Just needed to take those couple of days. You don't need to hear that. I don't need to. I just, I like keeping you in the loop. But here, I'm back now with all the latest esports news. We have had a week off, so I will be going over some stuff that might be a little, little bit older. But at the same time, I still think it's really important to talk about when it comes to the current state of esports and the just general state and component for various games. Um, hopefully, the show runs well tonight. I've got myself a nice Elgato Stream Deck that we're now running the entire show with. Hooked it up, programmed it, it works pretty snazzy. There's no more random, uh, like, clicking. It's easier for me to just press a button down here and off we go. Don't you know? Um, I really miss doing early late nights. I realized this the other day. I miss doing early late nights during the week. And if you didn't see on Twitter, Explosion Pod, um, for the Explosion Network's Twitter account, we put a post up saying, hey, no, no early late nights. But what we did do is we posted a link to the interview, for the, not the interview, but for the, the playlist of all the past Explosion Network. Well, early late nights. And it got me thinking, right? It got me thinking about how diff like how much this show has grown and how much the show has changed. You know, we are 66 episodes into early late nights. Um, and what the show started out with is very different to what the show is today. Boy, was the original, like, that first episode was a pile, it was just a turd. It was just a turd. Now, I got, like, most of the way through it, but my audio quality was terrible, the whole presentation of the show was really bad because I didn't have the green screen, I didn't have, you know, I didn't put enough time into the getting videos, and there was a lot of pictures, and it looked blocky and crap. Um... And and it made me realize. It made me it made me come to understand and to believe that, you know, the show really has come forward and has really put itself together and really changed. So, what I wanted to do is from now on. You may have noticed in the past couple of episodes, there's been there's been none of that. There's been none of that. Uh, that intro, that announcer, that geeky announcer. There's been you know tonight. There was no applause when I came in, and. These changes are because I've never... Oh, tranquilo, behind the green screen. Yeah, I'm not actually in a studio that looks this nice. I am, I am really. Sorry, I just blew somebody's mind in Twitch chat. But what I realized is that I never took myself seriously. I never took the show seriously. It was just, it was me talking about something. I really love esports. And I guess when I love something, but I'm trying to do it, I hide behind nerdy, cringeworthy humor. And that was really, it worked for some shows, it fell flat on its face for other episodes. But what I'm realizing is that this is really important to me. This esports in general is super important to me. So what I'm saying is that I want Early Late Nights to be a professional and, and uplifted 
esports news show that gives you good content and gives you the up-to-date news of the week of all esports no more you know random shenanigans no i'm gonna try and not have random brain farts in the middle of speeches i probably will still but i'm striving to be better i want to be better for you i want to be better for my audience i want to be better for me uh, and i want to be better for the australian esports scene you know we've we've i've switched up the show you can see more of me like you can see more of me if you're watching video on audio uh, there's lots of me now. There's not just like the top like third of my body. There's a decent amount. You can see my nice racing chair. Just stuff like that. It looks really nice. Really professional. Um, <laughs> but it it's still what is important to me. So what I want to do, I'm going to kick off the show by coming over some of the little pieces of information, some of the little news stories that have happened across the last week and a bit. Uh, before we dive into our three topics for this evening, I'm going to be talking about the latest game coming out of Valve Artifact, their Dota 2 card game that is uh, currently in beta, but is going to be going into full release tomorrow on Steam. So we're going to be discussing that, diving in and breaking it down and Finding out is that a game that you or I want to jump into. We're also going over all the latest Overwatch Leagues and Overwatch Contenders news. Um, with, you know, Overwatch League is set to wrap up its roster change period. Overwatch Contenders is kicked off for the Season 3, especially with Australian Contenders going into Week 2, finishing up today for them. So we're going to be breaking down some of that. And finally, I guess there's only three topics. Normally I try and do four, but this last topic is too big. Dota 2 patch 7.20 came out over the week ago and it has rocked and changed up the Dota 2 landscape. We're going to be discussing the patch, some of the changes, and why changes like this patch are needed for games like Dota 2 or any esports really to keep it fresh and you know we're going to dive into that. But first let's go into some smaller stuff. I was really happy to see um, we previously talked about the top Injustice 2 player for the world, Sonic Fox, recently came out winning tournaments left, right, and center. It's now been come out into the news recently that he donated $10,000 from his tournament winnings um, and donated it towards the father of his challenger, of his opponent from the last finals he was playing in. Um, his father was suffering terribly from terminal cancer and Sonic Fox came through and, and donated that money to assist with medical bills with treating that cancer. And I think that is fantastic to hear. Sonic Fox has always come together and said, hey, I play this for the love of games. I play this for the love of fighting games. And he's so fantastic in Injustice 2. But it's really nice for them to, you know, fighting games don't have the biggest prize pools. They don't, especially Injustice 2. doesn't have a massive prize pool, but, you know, still to donate that much money out of that prize pool is fantastic to see. And it really speaks for the character of Sonic Fox, but also the entire community of the Injustice, Injustice? Injustice 2 fan base. Um, we also had League of Legends came out with their uh, European uh, League Championship um, rebranding coming out with a whole bunch of new rosters coming out with new rulings for those rosters. It's really interesting to see with Overwatch League being in its format, being the way it is, to have different companies looking at that like League of Legends and rebranding, dropping some of those organizations that aren't keeping up with the Overwatch, you know, that League of Legends kind of attitude and, and rebranding itself and re-putting itself together for another excellent year of World Championships, especially across Europe. It's going to be fantastic. All 10 teams look really good. They have really great organizations. So I suggest you go over to the League of Legends um, website and go check out those. Um, I've, I've talked about it before and I talked about it recently on Explosion Network's latest um, 
Explosion Network's latest gaming podcast, Arcade Couch, which began a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we talked about Fortnite being voted for, and I talked about it on the show previously with the eSports Awards, Fortnite being voted for as an eSport and being treated like an eSport. And what we learned over the last week is that it's definitely still not ready to be classed as an eSport. Um, funny enough, while in my downtime, I've recently got into randomly watching Fortnite games and watching, um, you know, pro stream, like Fortnite streamers like Loser Fruit, Creator, Musalk himself, um, you know, getting into the game and understanding. And even members of that, you know, team and that group have said Fortnite isn't ready to be an esport. And one of the big problems with that is hackers. Fortnite um, kicked off one of its very first open tournaments with open qualifiers over the last week where players could join in and qualify to be in amongst 200 players um, to make their way to fight for the right of their half of or their portion of a $50,000 prize pool. And this was um, this was chronicled by a streamer called Tfue or Tfue, um, who came out and during his stream, the stream peaked at 100,000 viewers um, as he was playing through these qualifiers, but it was kind of for the wrong reason. The problem was that Tfue kept running into hackers and people altering the game within the tournament qualifiers because they were open. They were, you know, they were wide open qualifiers for the, the event. And it's really interesting that an eSport like that can have so many hackers and so many problems while for one of its up-and-coming biggest events. That's so strange. If that was to happen in the case of Dota 2 or League of Legends or Overwatch, there would be more handled and more control given by Epic, by the, the employees, you know, the Valves, the Riot Games, the Blizzards. They would have more control over what's going on. So... To see that and to see how that's coming through is is not always the greatest. It's not always, it's not really good to see. And Fortnite still has a long way to go. I think we shouldn't be talking about Fortnite as an eSport right now. It does have its place there. I think Battle Royale games has a very weird spot in eSports just because of the how it's set up and how big a scale it has to be on for the events. Um, so I'm interested to see exactly what happens in the coming year for Fortnite as an eSport, as well as other Battle Royale eSports. Can, can they pick up? Can they find their own foothold in the area? Can they really, you know, cut out a niche for themselves? Because at the minute, I don't think so. We've had the, the, fun, um, the fun changeover in the last week with Steam changing over from the US dollar. For PC gamers, it's been years and years of looking and buying video games at a certain price. You'd buy it in a Steam sale. Steam sale would say 15 bucks. And then a couple hours later, you would look at your bank account and there's like $35 missing. And you'd have to take you a second. You go, oh, wait, US switch over. And we talked about it again on Arcade Couch that... With the change to AU dollars, Steam's done a very weird thing. Um, a lot of the pricing is still very strange, and they, you know it leads into my next story about Artifact. The pricing itself is very weird because people aren't shifting their product pricing for Australia. They're just doing the conversion from American to Australia. So some very odd numbers are coming up for it. It's overall, it's a good thing to be able to look at Steam and buy games and know exactly how much money you're going to be spending in Australian. But at the same time, Steam has handled this not so great. Um, you know, after its previous problems with um, the market, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those problems with Australia. So it doesn't seem handled that well, but 
Hey, make sure you remember that in it's not this weekend, two weeks time, the 8th and 9th of December, the Dota 2 Pro League Melbourne is going to be taking place. Teams like OG and Mineski are going to be fighting out in Melbourne at the Melbourne Exhibition Center for the bragging rights and for the money, as well as, um, you know, guest commentators and guest hosts with Sir Action Slack's going to be there. There's also going to be Gods from Beyond the Summit, an Australian resident, you know. It's going to be fantastic to see that in the coming uh, couple of weeks. I hopefully will be at the event. So if you're at the event, make sure you come say hi, stop by, buy tickets. It's going to be, going to be really fun. Now... Let's keep it up. Let's keep on going. Let's get into the show. I've, I've blathered a little bit. We've talked about random stuff. Valve is getting into Artifact. Artifact is a card game. It's very strange. It's been recently announced in the international that Artifact was coming. And I guess we were unsure about what this game was going to be for multiple reasons because valve are very strange and yes they try are they trying to keep up with blizzard who already have hearthstone card games in the current climate are very interesting because even though they have come to the digital world they have never captured the the card aspect or the social aspect of playing a card game in your local store they've never captured the collecting cards aspect too well they have always had limited like kind of versions and limited like game modes that have been restricted which is really strange when you have the power of the internet that connects everybody but people have not done it well so valve is taking their crack at building artifact i was going to say architect artifact into the best possible game and it's it's taken really interesting and if you look at valve's history um it's recently been in beta though the beta's been going for the last couple of weeks and it comes into full release tomorrow um the 28th of november um coming out on steam now if you've never played dota 2 dota 2 is one of the most unwelcoming uh, welcoming games to new players possible it's flat out it's really it's hard to dig your teeth into i've said multiple times on the show the game takes its time to make sure you know that you suck at the game and it's better than you and it takes its time to build up some skill you have to put hundreds of hours in to even feel like a competent player properly and it's not that accessible and it's hard to get into and being bad at the game makes you feel god awful so, so for some reason Instead of building a card game that people can get involved with, a card game that people can bring their friends into, they have brought that quality of Dota 2 into the card game. And it, it just astonishes me. So unlike the normal card format of you and your player playing one-on-one -on -one with the one board, Artifact has three boards. Artifact tries to make Dota 2 into a card game, and it is called Artifact, a Dota 2 card game. So I don't know why I was so surprised, or anybody was so surprised, when you look at this game being played out. Now, when you look at the card game, you're given three boards, and each board has its own separate set of cards that are played on the board to start off the match. You then have to micromanage all three lanes at the same time making calls about whether you should be focusing on one lane with your power you get a collection of cards to play out as you wish to buff or change or or create you know to increase the matter you get new heroes in between rounds where you get to decide where you're going to play those and it's really strange it's really quite odd um, to see you flick between the three and there being different states of attack and defense for each lane um 
with you getting a new amounts of creeps in the lane in between games, it is complicated. I've spent some time over the last couple of days actually watching different streamers play this game um, as I didn't get a beta key for it. And it's it's amazing. Like, really, I can't, I can't quite comprehend the fact that they made a game so complicated. That they made a card game like this. The overall gameplay seems to be deck building with the various colors, with you selecting five heroes for the game. And not just Dota 2 heroes, but there's also some unique Valve heroes that have been brought into the game um, to kind of increase and buff the, you know, the, the card limits of what different cards can do. Now, you can definitely see at stages the Hearthstone aspect of it, and the deck building seems out of this world and complicated, and looking at it, it doesn't welcome new players. It does not welcome new players in the slightest. It expects people who like Dota 2 to jump in and play this game. It, If you don't like Dota 2, it's going to be really difficult to, you know, to understand why am I playing in three lanes at once? And what exactly do I have to do? So, I'm looking, I'm actually, myself, I'm interested in trying this game out to really dive into it and experience it. But as a whole, you know, as a, as a whole event, it looks rough. Like, it looks tough to kind of keep track of the amount of games all happening at once or the amount of different card movements happening at once on the field. Um... I think, I think overall the support for the game is going to be fantastic. It's Valve. They do really good updates for Dota 2 and I hopefully that carries over to Artifact. I think what Artifact does really, really impressively or really well is how it's going to be supporting its players with um, not just card packs, but being able to buy single packs of cards when the marketplace opens properly, being able to compete in draft events, being able to compete in different tournaments and modes. I think Hearthstone and other card games failed to bring that kind of, that modes and formats from around the place out there. Um, I think they struggle to bring that into their games, or they just choose not to. So it's really good to see Artifact bring that in, to have, you know, these game modes where you're sorting everything out, you're figuring out what's going on, um, and you're kind of building your deck along with other people. If you build your deck early, you've still got to wait, you get 25 minutes to build your deck um from the the amount of cards that you're given so it's a really interesting structure and i'm really glad they're bringing those in um my main sticking point with this game is the big factor about hearthstone about magic the gathering arena uh, about any card game that you pick up digitally there are a lot of them are free uh not artifact artifact is 20 dollars uh, american steam value is now 27 dollars and 68 cents I was, I was bemused when you actually have to, to buy this game. Like, oh, okay, fuck. You're going to make us pay for it? You're going to make us, um, you know, actually play it? So uh, it might, once again, even more people might be dissuaded by the fact they're going to have to buy this game to actually learn the game first rather than being able to try it out in different formats or in the free-to-play mode. So we'll see how this goes. I think free-to-play worked so well for Dota 2. I'm very, um, I'm amazed that artifact is coming out with this price tag but i understand that it's because of that dota 2 fan base that valve believes that selling this card game when it's first released is the best course of action for itself so yeah 
may as well get involved. I'm going to be trying to pick it up myself um, in the next week or two to get involved and get start learning it. I'll probably play some on stream and see how that goes with working the game out and trying to decide it. Should you buy it? I guess if you play Dota 2, yes, definitely get involved with it. If you've never played Dota 2, maybe either watch some Dota or try and watch a tutorial video of Dota 2 or... Um, watch some tutorials of Artifact to try and break it down. I know there's a lot of Hearthstone players have come over to it. Um, it's going to be an interesting system with a great esports scene. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. But it's got an interesting beginning for it. So let's keep on going with the news. Let's keep on going with Overwatch League. Overwatch League and Overwatch Contenders. Overwatch League is coming into a very interesting time when we have majority of the rosters fully filled out before that De December 1st deadline with various teams pulling in some really interesting picks. One of my favorite things is the Chinese teams are not sticking to just Chinese rosters. They are branching out. They are bringing in players that really stood out and played really well during the Overwatch World Cup. Um, and they're bringing them into the spotlight in their teams. It was a pleasure to see um, Kib being a part of uh, one of the Chinese teams from the UK and various other players. It's really good to see them coming through and the Chinese teams not just sticking with Chinese players as Shanghai Dragons has been and really shaking up those rosters and really um, trying to stretch it out so they're not lowering their pool of players they can be grabbing from or picking from. Um, Overwatch League is going to be a fantastic season. I'm super excited just because, A, with the amount of different teams that have been added into the rosters, we've also got the new two-way contracts happening between the Overwatch Contenders, Academies, and Overwatch League, meaning that players that are new to the league, or players can be signed to a two-way contract, so they get uh, the opportunity to be able to play in Overwatch League games and Overwatch Contenders games. Some of these players include Color Hex, previously of the Sydney Drop Bears, Fisher from his time in the... English World Cup as English World Cup team as well as uh, Elk who was previously and still a part of the Philadelphia the Fusion University roster as well as Philadelphia Fusions now I'm really excited for this because those players are fantastic players they get to develop themselves further with more time in the Overwatch contenders but also opportunities within Overwatch League and that is really good for bringing up that talent and progressing more and more in Overwatch and growing your player base so you always have new experienced players coming through. Um, so congratulations and good idea, Blizzard, for that one. I still think we're going to be having maybe, an, we've still got the Washington roster and one of the Chinese teams needs to, be needs to be announced. So I'm excited to see what those rosters entail. But if you're telling me, Kieran, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't do this, you know. I can't. I can't wait for Overwatch League, even though preseason's coming up, and then there's going to be. It's all. It's only in February, Kieran. It's okay if you haven't watched it already. Overwatch Contenders Australia and all the other Contenders series seasons have already begun for season three. Um, Mondays and Tuesdays, you can catch Overwatch Contenders Australia um, with teams going at it from 11 o'clock. There is generally four games a day, um, playing four maps for each game. So it's fantastic and action-packed to keep up with that and support local teams. Of course, I couldn't mention Australian Contenders without mentioning the Sydney Drop Bears, who have gone into the first uh, two weeks of Contenders 8-0, and zero, winning every single map convincingly, pretty much. 
um, facing off in the first week against Mind Freak. It was unlucky for Mind Freak, especially coming into Overwatch Contenders for the first time with a new roster um, of players who hadn't played in Overwatch League before, as well as Blank Esports, who had come through this week as probably the toughest, you know, opponent and contender to the Drop Bears title. And... Sydney Drop Bears managed to deal with it. If you don't know, Sydney Drop Bears has one of the most stacked rosters possible with the majority of the Overwatch uh, Australia World Cup team, apart from, of course, Trill, who was supposed to be the main tank player for the Drop Bears, but has been picked up by Team Envy in American Contenders, as well as, um, of course, Custer, who plays for LA Valiant. The rest of the team is here, and they're popping off, and they're playing, and it makes you watch and see, are, you know, are the Australian teams unbalanced? Are Australian teams incapable of being able to, to balance themselves out and get a chance, a fair chance, at top players? And I think that that's true and false. I think this season, this season, Drop Bears are winning. It's, it's sadly the case. Drop Bears are going to win. They're most likely going 20-0. and zero. That means players who have been on the Drop Bears team the entire time, like a Kraken, are going to be 14-0 in the last two seasons. Huss and CKM are going to be undefeated in Australian contenders history so far. Um, and they're probably going to win it. But what I'm hoping is that the rest of the league is brought up to their level. Um, in the coming year, in the coming year, we're going to be having more academy teams added into either contenders for Australia or contenders across the world, which means that there's going to be more opportunities for players to move out of the Australian scene and be placed in those so they get either an opportunity to be either brought into an Overwatch League team, brought onto one of those two contracts, or brought into probably more advanced scenes, which means it's going to, A, develop the, the whole content and the whole crop of Australia, while, you know, not getting too stale with uh, one set of players stomping the entire time, which even though if you're a Drop Bears fan, is fantastic to watch, and they are a fantastic team to watch in general, but it's not great for the scene if it's just going to be Drop Bears win lol, forehead. But... I'm interested to see the seasons, you know, it's not bust though. I think it's going to be really great. Group B is really close. Um, it's a lot closer than Group A. Um, it's really good to keep up with the game. So make sure you check them out. Um, ESL is putting on some great coverage for it. And the Overwatch League is a really good content. Make sure you check out all the other ones with Pacific Overwatch contenders kicking off as well. And the Chinese and the Korean. Uh, I'm not sure if American contenders has kicked off yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, that's another one to keep your eye on in the coming days. But... Overwatch itself is always growing and changing. We get recent patches with different notes, and what we get is different bits and pieces of, you know, um, metas forming and changing, and metas are a huge part of any esports game, and the players of Dota 2 have recently found that out. Well, they already know that with one of the longest-running esports um, and MOBAs in the world, Dota 2 recently had one of its largest patches come out, 7.20 and 7.20b, um, to introduce a whole bunch of changes, and probably one of the biggest patches in the history of Dota 2. Now, why do big patches? I think uh, as a whole, as after the international and as a game, a game can become stale. Players can become a bit over, because uh, towards the end of a patch's lifetime, People have figured out a patch. People have figured out the meta, figured out who's good, who's bad, who's amazing. 
and it just gets a bit cookie cutter, you know? Everybody picks the same drafts, they pick the same characters, and it's just not that fun. But what we get now is a whole range of brand new characters with brand new uh, item changes, as well as bringing in some different elements in the game that you might not have thought of when you're looking at drafts and buffs and changes to characters that indirectly buff them, nerf them, or change them. So, what happened, did you ask me? What What is 7.20? 7.20 is a overall patch that's containing a new map change. So the map itself is changing over. There is less high grounds now. There's no different routes to run. The tree forms have changed. And, and some people might not understand that. Oh, they're just changing it up a little bit. What this really does is it changes how players move around the map. It's changing. The big change for me is removing some of the high grounds because unlike like other MOBAs, Dota has, uh, you know, high ground shadowing. So if there is up going up the steps, you can't see people pass going up on that top level. You can't see them. Um, you know, you can't, you can use that to your advantage, that vision change you can use to your advantage at all times. So to see some of those being changed, so it's easier to move around the jungle areas, to there being more to kind of, uh, dodging routes and places to move throughout the maps it's been really interesting to see um with the bounty runes changing position with one of the bounty runes being super exposed um so we're going to be seeing more of those early bounty rune fights we're going to be seeing more movement around the bounty runes in general so it's exciting to see that and the changes and how players move for ganks is going to be completely different we also had changes to a lot of items with items including ring of aquila removed Dota 2 has had this really interesting change where it's been removing items as it goes slowly. So we've lost things like Poor Man's Shield, Iron Talon. Now we're losing, losing Ring of Aquila, which was a very standard go-to early game item for your carries for that provided mana, a bit of armor, a bit of protection. Now they don't have that option anymore. It's added five new items that uh, you know control array of stats and changes. It's, it's really, it, it's complex because what happens with these changes is adding things, changing things, removing things will then reset guides for a whole heap of characters. 37 characters have been changed, alters, had spells removed, had spells, you know, added, had minor buffs or nerfs changed, have happened. And these big changes refresh the meta. They refresh what players are jumping into when they load up Dota 2. It is bringing a, a valuable and fresh kind of look at the game that you can relearn and re-get into. And then some of the, the best bit about Dota 2 is always learning and, and studying almost the game itself. And, and getting that mental game locked down before progressing too far into the future of it, you know? There's a lot to be said about how good that is. There's a lot to be said about how, you know, how much change that is. And then there's also the more detailed and finite changes, like how armor stacks, how different stats work and change, and the math behind them. And your average Dota 2 player is not going to look at those stat changes. But what it means is that characters are going to be doing different damage values, Your the feel of the game is going to be different, you're going to be noticing big changes in the way a character attacks, or the way an item will affect a hero from now on. It's, it's a really big change, and it's fantastic to see at 
the same time. And so are big patches good? Yes, big patches are good, despite what the player base says. The player base will look at these patches, even though they've spent the last three months asking for this patch, and go, well, you've just broke the game. You've just broken the game. You've changed up. You've changed up how we play the game, Valve. And give them a couple weeks, and they'll get used to it. And it's, of course, people don't like change. But big patches are needed, and they're needed for the longevity of these games. These games grow and evolve because of patches that can completely shake up the meta, completely shake up what players are doing when they play Dota 2. You look at this, and you go, and you listen to this part, and you go, Kieran, you haven't given me any of the actual changes. Kieran, you haven't, you haven't dove into it. And honestly, I wouldn't be able to do it justice. One of the men that have led, you know, many generations of players through Dota 2 and through the whole, uh, you know, through learning the game is one Purge. Purge is a huge part of the Dota 2 community. And every time a patch comes out, he'll sit down and go through the patch line by line, talking about it, explaining it, experimenting with it, looking over it. So if you go over to the Purge Gamers YouTube channel, you will see that Purge spent over eight hours streaming the patch first impressions and talking about the patch. That is eight hours of detail going into characters, how different abilities change the characters, and it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And, you know, when I was fully into Dota 2, this was the type of thing that I would love to sit down and just listen to and try and understand the changes that are being made in the game. And looking back at this, I looked at it and went, fuck, eight hours? I do not have eight hours of my life. I do not have eight hours of my life to sit here and watch. But what I do, I like the idea of is spending time jumping back into Dota 2 and just relearning things. Just relearning, having my basis there of what I know about Dota 2 already, but also being able to to really, you know, relish in that moment and to really enjoy what's happening and, and to be surprised by things, be caught off guard, say the, oh God, that's broken as all hell. And then, you know, after a couple of games realizing, not so broken, we can counter it by doing this. Um, if you do want to break down, I highly suggest go watch that eight hour video or listen to it. Skip through it until you find characters that you're interested in. If you say, I've never played Dota 2, but I want to get into it, watch Purge's videos. Purge does a fantastic job at explaining the game and breaking down different heroes and different build possibilities and really giving a fun viewing um, experience while you're learning about Dota 2. I'll have uh, Purge's YouTube channel in the description when this goes live on YouTube and on audio, but um, make sure you check him out, give him a subscribe you know he's a fantastic streamer and he is a fantastic place to dive in and if you're going like me is this a good time to dive back in i've dove back in recently i've played one game and i said yeah i'm good it's a great time um i hopefully in the next week i'm going to be streaming the game here on the twitch channel um and talking about it and my experiences with it as well as getting to artifact and hopefully doing an artifact stream at the same time um it's really good to have games that aren't cpu intensive to stream ha anyway this is the end of episode 66 of early late nights right here on twitch.tv slash explosion network i've been your host kieran march and we come i come to you live every tuesday and friday at 6 30 p.m australian eastern daylight time 
and we talk about all the latest esports news as I have tonight. If you want to jump into chat, please feel free and welcome. Follow us on Twitch um, and, and say g'day while you're here for the show. Get involved, ask questions. Um, it is really good to be involved. If you can't make it live every time, that's completely fine. The show goes up in video on demand on youtube.com slash explosion network or explosionnetwork.com for the audio podcast version, as well as all good podcasting services at 7 p.m. on the Wednesday and 7 p.m. on the Saturday. Make sure you like, subscribe to those channels, give us a thumbs up, give us a five stars, um, and leave us a comment. Say thank you. I hope you enjoyed our return with episode 66. It has been fantastic to be back. Say thank you to my Elgato stream deck. It didn't go entirely to crap. Uh, and I hope you enjoy early late nights and you come back next time make sure you play well you don't tilt and always say gg have a good night Hey there, dear listeners. Are you aware that the Explosion Network has a brand new video game podcast? You're not? Well, it's called Arcade Couch and it is available now. We kicked it off at PAX 2018 by recording the first episode right there and then. And now it is releasing every Saturday at 6am Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Go ahead and download it now on your favourite podcasting service. Simply search for Arcade Couch. Search for Explosion Network. Whatever. However you want to go about it. Find it. Subscribe to it. Grab your friends' phones, subscribe to it, check it out, check out the first episode, live from PAX, check out the second episode, live from our usual recording booths, but just check it out.